Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. This episode of the Ether is brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Follow Orbital Command on Twitter using the link in the show notes to receive regular threads on Terra protocols, yield strategies, news, resources, and Twitter space discussions. You can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. Today on the Ether, we have an Orbital Command space chatting with Lunaomics. Let's take a listen. Morning for you. It's um, 7 p.m. in the UK. Perfect time for all the Americans, so this should be a good one. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta figure out a time that's good for for everyone. This seems like a so this is a good time for UK and everyone else. Well, it's certainly a good time for Europeans. We are kind of, I've still got a proper job or real, a job in the real world. So it's um, yeah, evening now, so it's perfect. Okay, so this is, this is 7 o'clock in Europe right now. Yeah, but yeah, UK 7 p.m. Okay. That's cool. Zion from the Orbital Command there. We'll just bring him up. So I'm thinking we just wait till the exact start time just so that hopefully everyone that's wanting to listen can get in here. And then... Are you okay for about an hour, Lunaomics? Yeah, sure. Awesome. So I'm thinking we'll maybe hear a bit about your story first of all, and then if people have questions, we can get them up to talk. Okay. Awesome. Great. Zion, would you like to say anything before we begin? Uh, no, I just wanted to say uh, thanks for Lunaomics for coming on the uh, the space with us. We love listening to your Twitter spaces. I love listening to your Twitter spaces I, I was just listening to them uh, this week, and I think your strategy is really cool. Awesome. Thanks. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Yeah, we love to have you. And, and thanks for everyone else for joining the space as well. And yeah, just wanted to say, you know, if you guys have questions, like we're going to keep it pretty, pretty chill, um, kind of like C5 spaces where, you know, you can come in and just we can just chat about different strategies and different things going on in the ecosystem and just ask questions and then we'll try and answer them and Lunomics will try and answer them as well. Cool. Awesome. Maybe not quite as long as a C5 speaks, but <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't want to go for six hours. <laughs> that guy's like the energizer bunny. He can go forever. Dedicated, man. He's he's dedicated to the cause, dedicated to the community. I appreciate it though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's us hit the hour. So this is our official start time. So yeah, welcome, Lunomics. Thank you very much for joining the Orbital Command on this Twitter space. Thanks everyone for listening in. I'm Rebel DeFi hosting this one on the Orbital Command just now. We've got the we've got Zion here as well. And the first thing I'd really like to ask Lunomics to sort of talk about is how how did you get into Terra? What was your journey here? And then when did you sort of develop the conviction to go all in or mostly all in on Luna? Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I am all in, um, I, but I, this is the first, this is actually the first, um, the first token or the first ecosystem that I have been all in, uh, previously I've, you know, invested in, in Bitcoin at 4,000 and ETH at a couple hundred and, um, Binance was, uh, the next one at like $6 or $11 or something like that. Uh, but my conviction has always been to uh, put money into things that I use. And so I would always use things first before putting um, a substantial amount of money. Um, and and so whenever I would use something and it would uh, be useful, I know it would be useful to others. And, um, and so, you know, with Bitcoin, that was the first one and the smart contracts came out. And then with Binance, it was like the best, exchange i ever used and i 
I, I just had a conviction behind Binance that it was a something that I could put my money into and it had a future. The um, CZ was, you know, on Twitter a lot. And um, there was a, a time when uh, Binance trapped a hacker uh, and actually took all his money. And when that happened, it just like, there was a lot of um, confidence that that was instilled that uh, had me put a little bit more in, but I never went all in into any of those. Um, then I, it was like probably the beginning of 2000, uh, this, this past year, 2021. And I was uh, kind of dabbling in all the DeFi stuff, um, Aave and Curve and, um, and synthetics was something that I that kind of attracted me because it was, um, I, I was always looking for something that had um, the utility of trading because that's my background is trading options uh, on the futures. And so I, I've always, you know, once I got into crypto, I was always looking for something that um, I knew that the finance space would either adopt crypto or crypto would um, uh, disrupt the finance space. And so when synthetics came out and synthetics for uh, if anybody hasn't used it, it's, it's kind of like synthetic assets, kind of like mirror, but uh, in my opinion, not as good. So I was using synthetics and um, just dabbling in it, seeing if it was something that I wanted to put money into. And I kind of, I liked it, but the transaction fees were really expensive. Um, they had this thing called, it was a debt pool model. And I, I really wasn't into the debt pool model because um, uh, they they went off the assumption that trading is a zero sum game, and it it kind of is, but on a very very large scale. And you cannot do a zero sum game with a small group of traders; it just doesn't work. So I didn't um, I didn't like the debt pool model, uh, but I was just playing with it because it's it was the only game in town. Uh, then my friend in February, I think it was February, he he introduced me to mirror and um and i started playing around with mirror and saw you know that you could buy and sell these different assets and um started you know doing research on chainlink and um uh there was another uh, asian company that's similar to chainlink i forgot what it was but that's the oracle that they would use and then um so so then I jumped into Mirror and I it was just night and day the experience there snappy super fast transactions um and then being able to provide liquidity that was like the game changer for me when I saw that I could be a part of providing liquidity um for something like Mirror uh that kind of just like um you know it it made me uh really bullish on Mirror and then it, that got me into uh, into understanding Luna and how I was creating this demand for UST that was uh, diminishing the supply of Luna. And it took me probably two months to really understand it. Um, and then once Anchor came out and I saw how Luna was being used and you could borrow off of Luna, and I was looking at the yields I was generating off of providing liquidity for both Anchor and Mirror, um, it, it was like, I was using it every single day and there was no protocol that I used every single day, like how I use mirror and anchor. And because I was using it so much and the yields are so good with both of those protocols. Um, and I realized that I could use Luna as like this apex asset to borrow off of and then invest in other things. And as Luna goes up in value that, um, that I could borrow more and make more, uh, it just was a no brainer for me. Like I just, there was no reason to put my money anywhere else except the counterparty risk, but it seemed stable enough to, to move everything over. So uh, it was kind of a degen move, but I, I moved everything over and um, I have no regrets and I'm, I'm going harder this year because I figured out what worked last year and I just wanted to kind of go all in full tilt in 2022. That's awesome. It, it's it's been interesting following your tweet threads and sort of seeing the evolution of your strategies. And I think I'm still using some of your kind of older strategies, which still seem to work really well just now. But um, just understanding, I, I think the spaces that you're doing, discussing your new strategy, I, th I think it's such an elegant 
method to try and sort of boost or pump your Luna bag, or not pump your Luna bags, but just to get hold of more Luna. And even though it's like the mechanics of what you're doing are actually pretty simple. Yeah. Actually understanding everything has taken me, I, I still think I'm sort of still trying to get there with the understanding, but it, it, it's surprisingly complex, even though to just copy you would be really easy. But knowing how, knowing what, what one's doing while copying you is, is the harder part, I would say. Yeah, I'm just wondering, I, are, sorry. I was just going to ask uh, Lunamics real quick. I had a question. So um, related to your strategy, like, you know, you jumped into Luna, like, you know, last year. Um, and now you're, you know, obviously using the strategy that you're doing now. Could you just give a brief overview of the strategy that you're using now for the people that are in here that uh, might not be as familiar with the, you know, as it, familiar with it as others? Yeah. So I think that that strategy is based off of my past, uh, you know, my past strategies of uh, building wealth. And like, I've never had a high paying job. I, um, but I've always wanted to, um, I've seen the potential of what you could make in, in markets. And so uh, my strategy has never been to like make a lot of money outside of markets just because the potential to scale and to, to make, I've, I've done small businesses and all different kinds of things, but um, most things are not scalable. And, but finance is something that's very, very scalable and unlimited in its amount that you can make. And I always knew that but I've never experienced it until this year. So it's, it's relatively new for me as well, just these kind of numbers. Um, to give you an example, I mean, it's taken me two decades uh, to get to like close to $200,000 at the beginning of, um, at the beginning of 2021. And then it's just grown from, you know, uh, clo- a, a little under $200,000 to 5 million. And those numbers are super, super new for me. Like I've never had that kind of money before. And it's like, I don't even know what to, like, I I feel like I'm kind of in over my head with that. Um, I posted something on my Twitter space or Twitter uh, that my kids were all in reduced lunch last year. That's, and that's, um, you know, kind I I still drive a Honda minivan and 2006 um, needs to be repaired. I, I, I don't have a very complex lifestyle. I'm very frugal in the way that I live. Um, and I don't plan to like go crazy with this either. Like I know the value of money. Um, I rather, instead of spending that money, I want to use that money to make more, even though I really don't need it at this point, but it's, it's just a game to me and it's, it's, it's fun. So um, Chuck, so what was your question again? Um, yeah, I was just curious <laughs> if you could give like a, a brief overview of, uh, no, I appreciate Oh yeah. Okay. That. Okay. Right. okay. Yeah. Sorry. So sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. So no, you're good. Um, so the strategy that I had before crypto was I would use my house as the apex asset and, um, and borrow money off of the equity of my home. And so, uh, the reason why I considered my house, the apex asset is because over time it's going to appreciate in value. Uh, because of inflation. And uh, the more that my house is worth, the more I can borrow against it. I could refinance it. I could do, you know, all different kinds of things with it and then use that capital to, you know, start a small business or to trade or to, you know, find positive feedback loops where I can put money into a system, like a dollar into a system and get $2 out. And so I was always looking for uh, business opportunities and and um, trading, uh, trading strategies that I could create these positive feedback loops where I could uh, take money from my home and put it into those things. And then um, one thing that I just, I never, I, I'm not afraid of debt. Um, I, I'm more like I budget my money so I don't get into debt. Um, but then I use money from my home uh, and I don't look at it as, as debt. Like a lot of people would say, I just don't want to be in debt but I look at the cost to borrow against the money that's coming in. And if the money that's coming in is greater than the cost to borrow, then it makes sense to borrow that money, put it into a positive feedback loop that can generate income. So that's always been my mindset. And when I found Luna, Luna was, uh, it had all the properties of a house, but 
in a fractional way. So somebody didn't have to have like a huge amount of money to to purchase uh, Luna. Um, and what really attracted me to Luna was the deflationary aspect of Luna. Uh, in the same way that a house will appreciate year over year over year and then give you a bigger and bigger asset base to borrow off of, I saw the same properties in Luna that uh, the more people that use UST, and at that time it was only two protocols, but I could see the writing on the wall that you know this ecosystem was, and you could see the, the wallets growing, you could see the... Um, the developer packs that were being downloaded and how there was exponential growth in that. And so you could just see this writing on the wall that um, there's going to be more protocols that are developed. There's going to be more uses for UST. Um, and, and, and with that, the supply of Luna would decrease. And as Luna decreases, the value would increase. And so I looked at it kind of like a fractional, um, like a house that you didn't have to have, you know, several hundred thousand dollars to have this apex asset. You could have ten dollars and and have something that's going to grow over time, and then you could borrow off of it and then put it into positive feedback loops. And so, so my whole uh, strategy was to use the money that I had available, put it into Luna um, as my apex asset, and then borrow off of it, and then to invest it into positive feedback loops like. LPs or um, or uh, you know different things even outside. I was I was borrowing to do things outside in the the regular world with the money. So um, basically, that's the strategy: is just um, accumulating Luna and then borrowing off of Luna to create cash flow, and then with that cash flow, uh, use that to invest in speculative assets or to spend it or to buy more Luna. Um, and then at the end of at the end of 2021, I reviewed my strategy and I realized the 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 biggest thing that that accelerated my returns was not creating cash flow with my borrowed funds, but uh, buying more Luna with my borrowed funds. And so, uh, because I like to optimize things, um, I went I went back and and did calculations of what what would my return have been or what will my return be next year if Luna performs in the same way? Um, and I compared uh, borrowing off of Luna to invest in LPs versus borrowing off of Luna to just buy more Luna um, and borrowing money to pay for Luna just far surpassed any kind of result that, um, that you could get investing in cash flow LPs um, or even using cash flow to buy buy more Luna. Um, so that's the strategy that I ended up on. Gotcha. That's fascinating. And I, I want to get to some of the questions that some of the community members have. We already have a couple of them up here, but I just have one quick question for you before we get to them. And that was um, related to this strategy in, in 2022. And so, you know, I've listened to your spaces and you talk about, you know, how the assumption that you're making is that Luna is going to go up to a thousand dollars at some point, whether that be in 2022 or, you know, 2023 or beyond, like that's the assumption, right? And so right. the strategy is designed to borrow and then accrue more Luna over time. So then you end up having more money when the price does get there. The question I had for you is like, what happens, you know, when we do get to a thousand dollars, like, are you planning on changing your strategy when you get to a certain price point for Luna? Or is this a strategy that you're going to continue to use past like a thousand dollars? If we, assuming we do get there at some point. Um, I so if you look at the if you look at the um, pattern, you know, of using Luna to buy more Luna, uh, there is the um, effect of diminished returns the higher the price that Luna gets. And so, um, you know, if you look at that spreadsheet uh, that that was created and kind of optimized by the community. Um, you can see that when we get to a thousand, you're, when you're using Luna to stack more Luna, you, it's not as effective as when it's at those lower prices. So I feel like we have a season to really um, go really hard on this. And then, um, so what my plans are is, is to just focus, laser, laser focus on using Luna to stack more Luna while we're in the system. Uh, season and the opportunity is there, um, and and once it hits a thousand, uh, now now you'll have 
you know, or now I'll have this uh, pool of Luna that I can deploy in all of the different protocols that will be created by the end of two, 2022. Um, so, um, so I guess my overall game plan is to stack more Luna with Luna this year. Um, and then once we hit a thousand to start using all of the different protocols and the different um, derivatives of Luna to, um, to create cash flow. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's, I think that's a, a very smart strategy to take. I was listening to CeFi space uh, yesterday, a recording of it um, through TerraSpaces. And, you know, he was talking about a tweet that he had put out of basically this document outlining the way that market cycles work and the way that adoption uh, curves work. And uh -huh. I thought it was really interesting and it aligns with what you're saying because, you know, he basically was saying in, in the uh, space that there's, you know, the first phase, which we've already kind of went through for Luna, which is where you can make the most money, where Luna went from like cents on the dollar to, you know, like $100. But then the second wave is where you can make, you know, the second most money in comparison to the first wave. And that's what he and you, it seems like, are setting up for at the stage is, you know, trying to stack as much Luna as you possibly can for this next move up. And then after that, adjust the strategy. So I think that's a really good strategy to have. And I want to get to some of these questions here, though. So, uh, Mauro, you've been up here for a little while. You want to give your question? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, my question is kind of similar to the question that you just put before. I was going to ask... Uh, for now, people who are borrowing money are getting back anchor tokens, and that's why they're not paying a lot of interest. And I'm wondering, maybe a year or two from now, I think 2024, when they will stop giving anchor, uh, anchor tokens, and when the yield of borrowing will get back to, I don't know, 25% or something from anchor, are you going to continue borrowing from anchor, even if, if it gets to that level, for example, like 25%? interest that you have to pay to anchor or you don't see yourself continuing to use the same strategy and shift into something completely different once we get to that level yeah i'm hoping that um that the borrowing rate is still better than traditional markets um i i'm not sure what that's gonna happen what's gonna happen um and I try not to worry too much about the feature because the feature does change so quickly in, especially in DeFi. So I kind of just look at like what's in front of me and make um, my strategies around what's in front of me. I, I have a mindset of, because I guess one of the things that the reasons why people ask that question and I'm not saying that you're, that's your motive, but um, is this fear of, um, the future and what's going to happen in the future, and can we um, can we count on the things that we're doing now to provide for us in the future? And that's just a part of human nature. Um, I think one of the greatest skill sets to have is to be flexible in what you're doing, and the confidence of being able to spot opportunity um, when that opportunity arises. Uh, so I have this mindset of of opportunity never disappears it just migrates and one of the the best skill sets to have is to uh, be able to spot that opportunity before it happens um, or even while it's happening and being able to shift into um, into where that opportunity is so um, you know to, to give you a macro perspective uh, the, the greatest opportunity just a, a generation ago was the labor arbitrage between third world nations and the US. And that's where you know the biggest profit was made with these multinational companies. Uh, all they were doing really was arbing the difference between uh, what you could purchase labor for, somebody's time and energy in another country, and then ship that over to the US and, and, and keep the difference. Um, I feel like the same opportunity exists right now. And the, the greatest opportunity of our lifetime is arbing the difference between traditional finance interest rates and DeFi interest rates. Um, when you can get a 1% uh, loan in traditional finance and pull it into DeFi and get, you know, a 100% return on an LP, it's just a no-brainer to, to, to do that. And the amazing thing about that is, like, anybody can do it. You don't need to have a billion dollars and know how to set up a factory and how to, you know, abide by all these different regulations, like how you had to with the labor rate arb, 
like with this, all you need is like a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks and, and you can scale that to your heart's content because you don't need to have human resource. You don't need to, you don't need to uh, go through the banks. You don't need to do any of that. There's no barriers to entry. You can, you can do it with a dollar to like a thousand dollars. And so the opportunity that I see is just like mind blowing and, it's one of the reasons why I'm very um, passionate to teach this stuff because it's accessible to anyone. Um, I mean, you don't even need to own a home. You don't need to own a car. Uh, you just need to know how to manage money. And so it's, that's one of the passions that I have is, and the reason why I do what I do is, is it's not because I need money anymore. It's, it's because I see this um, lack of education, I guess. And I, I liked what, um, what Rebel DeFi, he said, uh, this is like an elegant approach. I like that word elegant um, or sophisticated. Um, in in trading, uh, lots of people that understand trading um, understand how to use debt in a in a in a safe way or in a in a good way. And um, a lot of people that aren't used to the finance world, um, all they understand is like get out of debt. That's bad. Um, and and what I see in the progression of maybe, I don't know what you would call it, but Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3 uh, cryptocurrency is like Gen 1 is just the transfer of value. And then it kind of attracted all of these like DGENs that just, you know, do reckless things and crazy things with money because they had so much money from um, what happened with Bitcoin and Ethereum. And cryptocurrency took on this meme coin slot machine culture. Um, where you just pump it and then dump it. And uh, it took no sophistication, no elegance. It's just um, a gamble, like this risky gamble to get into crypto. Um, but what Terra has created is, is, is not this meme coin slot machine culture. They, when you compare mirror finance to synthetics, uh, they understand true markets. And the protocols that they're developing are real protocols that sophisticated investors can use if they understand how to use it. And, and the returns that you make are not gambles, they're strategies. Um, and so what I envision is being able to educate. And what I'm seeing too is that the, the people that are attracted to the Terra ecosystem are not DGENs. Like I'm trying to get people to borrow 10% off of their anchor borrow and, and people, are, people are having a hard time borrowing anything. And I think it's good for the ecosystem to, to help people understand how to borrow in a responsible way. I mean, if you look at the, the difference in the anchor protocol itself between people that are depositing to get that, that 20%, and the difference between people that are borrowing, there's a, there's a big difference. And it's actually putting strain on the anchor protocol. Um, and that shows who the anchor protocol is attracting as well. It's attracting people who are more savers than, than business-minded entrepreneurs that know how to um, manage borrowed money um, or traders that know how to uh, manage risk. So I think it's good for the ecosystem, for the... Uh, for people who are using Anchor. So because they're, they're attracting responsible people who like to save, these responsible people who like to save, they don't like to borrow because they've been taught that, that borrowing is bad. But what that tells me is that the foundation is strong, that they're good with their money and they're responsible with their money. And if they can be taught how to use debt in a responsible way that that uh, puts a jet fuel engine to their their gains. Uh, the terror community, I feel, could be one of the strongest communities on the planet financially because they have the the sophisticated uh, protocols that are not Mickey Mouse protocols. I mean, these protocols are are very very powerful if used in in the right way. And so, if the community can understand how to use these protocols in a way that is uh, responsible and, and what I view as, as safe, but very efficient. By the end of next year, I think that there, there could be, you know, this, this community of very astute 
sophisticated investors that utilize these protocols in ways that multiply their wealth beyond their imagination. And if we can create a culture that is very giving and generous and earned for, um, for decentralization of finance, I think it, it could be one of the most powerful things that, that we have ever seen historically. I totally agree with you. And I think the culture in the Terry community is fantastic. And it's much different than uh, other communities that I've been in in crypto. So I think you're right. And I think we have to do our part as you know, a community and as individuals to try and cultivate that sort of culture of just generosity and education and helping others. And that's what we try and do at Orbital Command. And that's why we appreciate you, Lunomics, as well, because we see you doing that with the Twitter spaces and the tweets that you've been doing as well. Why don't we get to this other, uh, some of these other speakers that are up here, Dirty Lenses. Do you have a question? Um, yes, I do. Can you guys hear me? Yep. All right. Awesome. Hey, thank you guys for doing this. Thanks, Yugeo. Thanks, Orbital Command. Um, it's funny because I bet a lot of a lot of us here have uh, our anchor boros up and watching our 45% LTVs <laughs> as, the, as the market <laughs> is moving. Uh, but um, uh, I... I was loving this conversation that was sort of like more philosophical, more, more, more high view. And I apologize if I'm going to dump it down with, with a little bit more, more of a technical question. But my question um, is a, a little bit back on, on, the, on, the, uh, on the TerraSwap LP. And I just wanted to see if, if, if I get something right. But obviously, we understand that we're borrowing. We want to keep liquidity so that if the price goes down, we can manage our loan to value. Uh, loan to value ratio. So rather than just keeping it in anchor earn and borrow and and making 19%, we're putting it in the TerraSwap LP for like 100%. But I'm looking at it right now, in my case, for example, and I'm looking at, of course, the value, like uh, Shigeo, you were saying yesterday is like ebbs and flows of a tide, you know, it'll come down, it will come up, you know, price comes down, you get more Luna, awesome, uh, we're stacking Luna. As I'm looking at like my overall LP right now, in um in Aborb and and I see for example I'm down several whatever uh, x amount of money I have gained a bunch of Luna which is awesome but since this 100% APR doesn't seem to have kicked in because it's like a sort of a shorter term from the moment of the of the uh, of providing the LP if I run the calculations right now to the amount that the overall LP has come down with the coming of down of the price. And I divide the, by that by the amount of Luna that I have gained gained when the has, LP has rebalanced. In in my case right now, it comes up to me having theoretically bought that Luna at like about one hundred and fifty dollars a coin. So the the part that I don't entirely understand is like a, theoretically I understand how the TerraSwap LP brings in the hundred percent, but practically speaking. It seems to me like in shorter terms, since you're managing, you're looking at the Luna price and seeing, okay, I gained this this much Luna because of the LP balancing. I'm going to pull those out. At that point, at least in some cases, it seemed almost uh, better to have just put that money, put that USD aside and just bought the Luna uh, straight up. Does that Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think you're doing the calculations wrong because if okay. you do... Okay. If you, um, you're probably taking into consideration uh, the, the capital gains loss on the entire LP and factoring that into the price of what you paid for Luna. Because if you take, um, I've never calculated it exactly myself, um, but somebody did send me their personal calculations and, um, and it, it showed that when you pick up Luna after it's dropped, you actually get it at a huge discount. So when, when you experience the impermanent loss on the LP, you are picking up Luna at a, at a deep discount. And then if you withdraw it, you do have a capital gains loss um, from the entire LP, but the Luna that you picked up is at a discount. But you're, you would have a capital gains loss if you were to hold the token on its own regardless so you're averaging up you're you're purchasing more on the way down uh even though your net lick of your position is less but that's you know it would be less anyway 
Yeah, see, that's why I said I was going to probably dumb down the conversation. But if <laughs> if this calcu if if there is like some some kind of a template for these calculations, I think that would be awesome uh, if someone had it to share. Uh, thanks, man. For yeah, that, I, for that answer. I could I could get. Um, I was actually thinking of ha um, having uh, that that I I don't remember his name, but I have him in my DMs. Um, both is him that... and. Uh, Agile, there's another guy, Agile. Um, I'll Agile. just cut in for a minute, Luna. I'll mix it. Ag Agile Patrick, I believe. And was it, I think it yeah, was Ed, Agile. Ed Plasco. Did he, he did the no, 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 spreadsheet not, uh, first? Not, no, Ed. yeah, a different guy. Yeah. Uh, Agile Patrick, yeah. Uh, he did this great tweet on visualizing impermanent loss. And uh, I'm going to have him on, on Saturday. We're going to, uh, 11 o'clock. Hawaii Standard Time. And he's going to kind of walk us through uh, that impermanent loss tweet that he did, which I, I thought was one of the best. It was the best tweet I've ever seen on impermanent loss. Um, what it helped me to understand is uh, where the curve accelerates in uh, the depreciation of your LP. And if you're doing a pair between like a stable coin and a coin that uh, is volatile in price, um, where you can cut your losses to keep your losses in um, in a reasonable space. So uh, I think that that's super, super helpful. And for me, uh, I was processing it with my friend who's also a trader. And um, when we do when we do options, we always have these like stop losses where we manage our risk. And what this uh, what Agile Patrick did was help me to look at exactly what the hard number is that that I will manage in LP um, when it moves me, and to understand the curve. Um, so I think that Saturday, there's so many people that are concerned about impermanent loss, and understanding where that curve accelerates uh, in the depreciation of the entire LP. Uh, is super important. So, so he'll he'll be talking about that on Saturday. All right, awesome. Thank, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. All right, let's get to the next speaker here in order. I think it was another show. You want to give your question? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Um, thanks for thanks for doing the space and hosting this. Um, my question is around kind of order of operations of accumulating more Luna. Um, I, there's like so many options now, and I'm just kind of curious because there's an kind of an opportunity cost to, to every option i'm curious um lunomics do you like like what what do you do when you want to accumulate luna do you just set limit orders in a like dynamic dca type fashion um on the exchanges do you just let your liquidity pools accumulate the Luna for you via the impermanent loss mechanism you're describing? Do you place bids on Kujira? And is there like an order of operations that you think of in terms of like how much of your borrowed capital you allocate to each of these strategies if you're doing multiple strategies? Yeah, so I think that if um, whenever you whenever you make a plan, you have to start with an underlying assumption. And so my underlying assumption is that Luna is going to go up uh, 10x next year. Um, I could be right, I could be wrong, but that's just my underlying assumption. So the way that I, the way that I suggest everybody to um, use the strategies that I put out there is, um, if you're 100 percent convinced of the strategy, then then allocate uh, uh, an amount of capital that reflects that. And then if you're 50 percent, then allocate you know, a, a amount of capital that reflects that. So because my underlying assumption is that Luna is going to go up uh, to $1,000 this year, um, I'm not going to have bearish strategies in place. Um, if you look at the pattern of what Luna did this past year, uh, six months out of the year, it doubled in, it went over double in price, some more triple in price in, in the span of a month. So you had six months of just straight up um, doubling in price for six different, not not doubling in price in six months. That it's like every one of these six months there was a doubling in price. I mean that's incredible. That's incredible growth. 
um, on that that mass adoption curve that Sefi talks about. Um, there was a several months of of uh, there was one month of crash, and then every other month was just consolidation. So for the vast majority of time last in this past year, two thousand twenty one, Luna just went straight up like a rocket. Because of that, I I don't put any effort into bearish plays. So dollar cost averaging is a is a bearish play. Um, so is Kajira. Um, and those those strategies will pick up discounted money. But for instance, if you park a hundred thousand dollars in Kajira, um it's and for it to be worth your time, unless you're doing like our plays, which is like, you know, one to four percent you're gonna get filled and then you could go ahead and flip that. But I'm not really interested in, in doing that. Um, so if, if you were to park it and look for like the, the big, uh, pullback, um, you're going to be waiting a long time with capital sitting there doing nothing. Um, and that's kind of the same thing with dollar cost averaging for other, for other, um, underlyings that go up and down a lot. Um, or if you have just like tons of capital that's sitting on the side, then that dynamic dollar cost averaging works superbly because um if you if you average in in an exponential way um and say your target is like a 60 to 70 percent pullback and after it crashes you 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 go in and you go in hard like that of course that's going to work but if you compare that with a if your assumption is that it's going to go up the majority of the year you want your capital to be working the majority of the year and so my strategy is is very very different from dynamic dollar cost averaging because dynamic dollar cost averaging is waiting for the pullback kajira is waiting for the pullback um when the majority of time what we've seen this past year is there's hardly pullbacks with with luna and i don't think it's going to continue for at least another year um so because of that my strategy is mainly bullish strategies and as my as luna goes up and your LTV drops accordingly, I just use that to purchase more Luna. And so I'm accumulating actually on the way up and utilizing the greater collateral, um, the greater collateral available to borrow more, to buy more Luna. And then, um, and then managing uh, my risk on the way down. And, and when you combine that with um, putting, putting, um, your Luna and your uh, UST in an, in an LP um, and then accumulating on the way down automatically because of the uh, impermanent loss dynamics of the pool and then withdrawing it and maybe, you know, like what I've done is I've withdrawn it um, to lock in my uh, additional Luna and then using some of my UST to purchase more Luna at a lower price. Um, and then just waiting for it to go back up. And then, you know, if, if I get into trouble, just managing at 50% and paying down my loan and just doing that all year round, um, that to me is the best strategy if the assumption is 10x uh, to the upside. Okay, I think I understand what you're saying. So basically like the, the, the biggest pullback Luna has had last year i think was like almost 70 percent from like the top the local top to the to the bottom of that like extended kind of pullback right it was like almost yeah. a seven no so it was like 79 yeah 79. 78, 79 yeah okay so basically what, what you're saying then is like you're not really so much concerned about like like having money just sitting there waiting for potentially another pullback like that, you're just going to manage your LTV and take advantage of a pullback via like uh, the liquidity pool shooting, like kicking off more Luna or you withdrawing UST from the liquidity pool and, and um, you know, buying more Luna that way as it drops. And you, you've just figured out the math for yourself where you won't get liquidated, even if it goes down 70 like eight percent potentially yeah yeah okay cool thanks yeah all right let's get to uh z.ust you have a question yeah you just you just answered we we did it at 45 percent lcv 
um, they got liquidated 30% of whatever. Um, but I kept talking to my sister about, um, you know, this opportunity and it took several months. So I think it was summer, um, summer of 2021. And, uh, she put several thousand dollars in and then several months later, uh, it was over double in, in value. And when she saw the difference, um, that it doubled in value and, um, and you know, her automatic thought is, oh, if I put more in, then I would have gotten more. And, um, that kind of fueled her faith in, uh, decentralized finance. And, and then now she's just like an animal. She's like moving all of her stuff over and, um, and, and totally convinced of the, of the legitimacy of it. So, um, yeah, that's the way I got her in. It just gave her some money <laughs> and, and, uh, let her see the results. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> it's nice that there's not like age restrictions. It's kind of hard to get a financial account for your kids or for others, but it, it's fairly easy with DeFi. And I kind of did the same thing. I helped my neighbor set up a wallet and, and just sent him, you know, $600 and, <laughs> and someday he'll probably pay me back, but usually, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's pretty powerful. And the other comment, I guess I would say about anchor is, um, you know, there's some fundamentals that are different about DeFi. You're talking about a team of 15 and you're talking about a technology that's just vastly more efficient for loaning and borrowing than the traditional finance system. You know, you think about all the banks and all the executives that traditional finance has to pay for, uh, which DeFi doesn't have to pay for. So while the APRs might fluctuate a little bit here and there, I think it'll always be higher than uh, traditional finance on both the borrowing and the lending side. So that's my take. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. I what do you think about um, you know, because a lot of times the rates, the borrow rates in traditional finance um are affected by um by the the prime rate. And so the borrow rate is always a little bit higher than the prime. But in DeFi, the prime rate is uh, anchor is kind of shooting to uh, be that prime rate at 20%. Um, so would you, do you think that because the prime rate's so high that the borrow rate would also be pretty high? Well, I think it's the staking yields that allow both the borrower and the earner <clears throat> saver to uh, get pretty good deals. I think um, one thing that would, um, as the price goes up, the staking yields go down a little bit <clears throat> and that might make it a little bit harder for those APRs to stay up there. Um, but I think things will balance out. Um, and I don't think anchor rewards will go away for people that are borrowing. I just think that uh, they're going to reduce the liquidity pool incentives is my understanding. So I think those anchor rewards for borrowers will be there uh, long-term is my understanding. But um, yeah, I'm not sure on the, the prime rate. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, know it's all, <clears throat> I know it's all speculation and I'm not looking for hard answers. I'm just um, wondering what people think or speculate about the future. Let's get to a couple of these other questions. So Ryan was actually in the previous space here. So Ryan, if you want to come in and then we'll take Brian and then uh, Ben after him. Uh, cool, thanks. Uh, yeah, I was worried. We, we got our, our rug pulled there. Um, so I think the first thing I wanted to mention was I just, I loved hearing you say, Hawaiian standard time, which for you obviously is normal, but for the rest of us, um, I think we should all start thinking about Hawaiian standard time. I just think that's awesome. <laughs> Every, everything should be scheduled on that. Um, but Funny. so initially when I started hearing you share all this stuff and started following you and taking notes more closely, I was like, this is amazing. Um, I'm definitely going in on this, but then also worried of like, wow, this guy's just sharing all this. Like, is this sustainable? Like for the system, maybe, you know, we all kind of have our worries of like, oh, we're seeing the, the anchor percentages shifting and the anchor um, uh, treasury or whatever it is uh, depleting. And so in the back of my mind, I'm just worried, like, is this system, like, I just worry, like, well, what if, actually, every, what if quote unquote, everybody does this, yeah, right? Yeah, is so, that unsustainable? But but earlier on the call, you kind of talked about how you think more people should be getting into borrow and how that might actually sustain right. the system. So I just kind of wanted to hear you talk a bit more about that. 
Yeah, so the the treasury is actually depleted from how I understand it. And if there's anyone here that uh, wants to correct me if I'm wrong, the way that I understand it from the treasury, uh, the treasury pays the the interest on the anchor um, earn. So the more people that go into anchor earn, that that 20% is paid from that treasury. And that's where that depletion comes from. Um, if 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 the the amount of the the earn uh, interest is more than what is being produced from the collateral that's being given to the protocol because it's our collateral that we give to the protocol that they take that and they earn the staking yield on that and then they use that to pay the anchor earn um so the more people that borrow uh, it it provides income for the protocol because even though we're able even though we're borrowing and we're borrowing at zero percent um they we're only borrowing 45 percent of our ltv so but they're able to take a hundred percent of the yield of our collateral by staking luna and getting the yields um, from luna and then they use that to pay uh the anchor earn so the problem is when there's more people that are depositing on that protocol and they're yielding that 20%, if there's no collateral that's producing the staking yield to pay for that, then the protocol gets into trouble. And so that treasury needs to be uh, filled with outside funds and it's not sustainable. So the more people that borrow and know how to borrow in a responsible way, uh, it boosts it boosts the staking yield from the collateral that's provided and makes the protocol more sustainable. So um, so that's part of the reason why uh, I think it's like a win-win when the community um, is educated in in how to borrow because they're going to provide their collateral. And then if they know how to deploy that capital in a way uh, where they put it into a positive feedback loop, then the person who's borrowing that capital wins, the protocol wins, and you know it's 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 a sustainable thing. But the sustainability is really based on uh, number one, the borrower who's educated and educated enough not to blow themselves up uh, when the crash comes. So um, so. That's why I think the education part is really important of how to manage that LTV. Um, and then the second part of that is, uh, so the number one thing is don't blow yourself up. The, the other thing that people need to be educated in is where do you deploy that capital once you have it available to you? And if you can deploy it in a way that it benefits you, um, and when I say benefit, I mean uh, that the reward that you get from that borrowed capital far outweighs uh, the interest that you need to pay on it, then the 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 borrower uh, is is benefiting, and so is the protocol, and so are the people that uh, are in Anchor Earn. So it it really comes down to that, like educating the community to to utilize these protocols in a in a sophisticated way, so that everybody wins. Thank you very much. Awesome. Um, time wise. We've gone an hour so far, so thanks for your time, Lunaomics. We've got a couple more questions. Is that okay with you? Yeah, you? sure. Awesome. 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 Brian, are you ready? Oh, this is oh, it's perfect, man. I, I have to go do surgery here in a minute. Um, so my quick question is, in the Luna UST pool, let's say Luna goes from – so let's say you entered the pool at like 87, and then the pool, and then Luna just shoots to like 130, 140. As far as order of operations, like are you and your LTV gets down to let's say twenty, are you um, using the UST from the um, from the LP pool to buy more Luna, or do you like what do you do with that LP pool as Luna's done shot up? Do you borrow off of Anchor first, or like what's the order of operations there, like with that with like with that liquidation pool if Luna's skyrocketing? Okay, so that's a good question. Um, there's a couple things that are going on there when Luna skyrockets, right? Um, the number one, uh, the number one thing 
what could you could, uh, okay so the number one thing is um the dynamics of the liquidity pool so mm-hmm. um so agile patrick he put together that uh impermanent loss um visualization mm-hmm. and when it goes above uh 50% on the upside there is uh, a substantial loss um to the upside so if it goes up more than 50% uh, there are some problems but i mean it's it's problems where you're not making what you could be making right for sure for um, sure i that is yep. the risk right so yeah um so if it goes up above 50% in that short amount of time then then there's things that i would probably do to to withdraw out of the pool before it gets above that point because that's where the the curse steepens so that's one thing um the but the other thing to take into account is that uh you're constantly lowering your cost basis every single day through the rewards of the pool right 100%, so there's 100%. that that offsets um the impermanent loss up to a certain yeah. point um the third thing that i think about that's you know moving pieces in in this is that um uh chucks i just blanked out um okay oh so the third thing is the so you have a static debt right your debt yep. is not changing goes up in a substantial way then your asset that you purchased with that debt is going to go up right yep. and it's yep. going to it's going to it's going to be way bigger than your debt so at some point i would take the money from the lp um and convert the luna to b luna and provide it as collateral to be able to purchase more luna So those yeah. three different things are happening and you just got to you just got to be able to understand what's happening in all those three aspects of the pool and then yeah. make a decision on what you're going to do to either offset the risk if Luna has gone too high too fast and to when you're going to provide more collateral to uh to your anchor Exactly. So I mean cuz I guess what I was thinking is like if we if you know at some point once we get up to like the 140s um you know withdrawing from the LP pool and i guess my thing is is like with the UST side of the of the of the LP pool i mean i'll just use a portion of that to buy more luna and, and then convert some of that to be i guess there's so much you can do or you know uh, yeah i actually i actually would want to ask um i'd want to ask agile patrick about that on saturday yeah. like what because that's a question that that i'm not super clear on the answer for yeah. like say say you um say you with you you add liquidity to a lp and maybe somebody here knows the answer to it but say you add um a thousand dollars to an lp mm-hmm. and uh and so you enter it um 50/50 and then it goes up in a substantial way right um can you take your money out and then put your money back in to get back to 50/50. Exactly. You know like can you rebalance yourself or is that impossible? Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But that's something I want to ask him. Okay. Yeah, cuz that's just what I was thinking cuz like as of right now, you know, Luna sitting at 79, I've gained about you know, almost like 7% more Luna or 6% more Luna since entering the LP. and uh I'll turn on you know um you know locking that in here soon and um it's just getting back in it, it's all a game you know just learning how to how to play it <laughs> just learning how to yeah play yeah it. definitely all right that's it thanks awesome thanks for that question Brian that that's it basically sounds like i think we need to listen in on is it saturday morning we not or saturday morning hawaii yeah, time saturday just... saturday at 11:00 um hawaii awesome. time Well, I'll certainly be there. So yeah, thanks for that question, Brian. We've got I think it's our final question for this space from Ben Gaines. You're up, Ben. Hi, thanks. Uh hello everyone. Um quick question. Uh, it's actually two questions. First, uh I've been reading into uh, Stater's proposal currently to provide Luna X as collateral um 
on on anchor that the proposal for for it on mirror is going on right now but next is the proposal for for lunex as a, as collateral on anchor uh taking this into consideration would this be like a no-brainer to one jump into from b luna to um, luna x or would that affect the rate that anchor uses b luna for the payout um and second of all um taking into consideration right now that there might be a, a possibility of going from Luna to be Luna to, to Luna X or from be Luna to back to Luna and then to Luna X. We always want as much Luna from our be Luna and we always want as much be Luna from our Luna, right? When we're about to provide collateral, we want, we want the most amount of, of be Luna uh, for the Luna we're providing uh, to eventually when we when we ever use it to to pay more collateral or anything like that, maybe ARB, ARB that little difference and it's a little benefit. But in the event of a dump, the 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 spread goes the other way right we we lose um luna when we cash in b luna the the, right, the arb right. goes the other way right okay right just right. just want to clear that and and your opinion on on luna x possibly on anchor yeah i don't i don't know how that would work because the protocol makes money off of the yield and if you're keeping the yield i don't know why what incentive anchor would have to exactly that that yeah. was my doubt because it wouldn't make sense. It would affect Anchor. Like Luna, um, Luna X would benefit, but Anchor would be, um, it would be counterproductive for for Anchor, right? Yeah, I uh, from how I understand it. Yeah. Okay. It, it it was just that that question. Maybe I thought you you had some some additional insight on on that. But thanks. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for the questions this evening, guys. And um, Luna Omics has. For putting it together it's been fun not at all thank you for being here now you've you've also kind of jumped on to this kind of discord idea that we've been sort of mooting so orbital command will put out a pinned tweet so that anyone that wants to can sort of jump into this discord essentially i think the idea is that just to have we've got all these brilliant twitter spaces particularly from luna on lunaomics sefi's doing some great ones as well but we're thinking this will be like um a bit of a written record of these strategies for people that are maybe more sort of visual learners. So you're welcome to jump in, see what you think. If it's for you, hang around. If not for you, you don't have to stay. So, yep. Thank you very much, Lunaomics. It's been great chatting, and I'll certainly be listening in on Saturday. Thanks awesome. everyone for being here. All right. Any, Thanks everyone. Any okay. awesome. Yep. See ya. Bye. Bye. Oh, and one final word: Terra Spaces are here, and they've been recording for us. So thank you for all your hard work, Finn, and all the other guys helping. Would you, well, I'm sure Finn can maybe sort of say something at the end. One thing, Finn has got some music, which doesn't seem to be promoting all that much, but the song at the end of the Twitter spaces, I think is epic. So my recommendation, listen all the way to the end of the Twitter space or any Twitter space and enjoy the music at the end. And with that, we'll close. Thank you very much. Good night. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Orbital Command Lunomics Space, recorded on Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. This episode of The Ether was brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Find out more about Orbital Command at orbitalcommand.io. For terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When I'm cruising, I'm rushing, no booze on my tongue When I'm losing my cool like a bruiser in London The rules are confusing, so let loose the juices And try not to act like they tightened up the noose These fools are abused like a problem stepchild Ruling the coop with some modest exile I'm lost in the cube with the softest textiles A comfy padded room where I'm walking my best miles So wipe the smirk off your face when you're serving I'm up with a platter of bait behind the curtain Up with the curse, it's absurd to swerve it Letting these nerds know the weight was worth it. I'll perk it up while I serve with some bullshit. This ain't my first rodeo surrounded by humans. Opinionated merchants trying to steal your worth. It's getting on my nerves, so let's make them feel nervous.
I go tit for tat when I'm spitting this rap shit Getting sick with it like I'm kissing bats It's spreading sickness like a fucking pandemic Gun to my head like write the damn epic My mood is exhumed from the darkest mistakes Sitting down in hell cooking up these mixtapes Living through nightmares and dreamscapes It takes more patience than a hospital police state So lock it down locked and loaded like they come for your guns Fuck no we won't be getting onto that bus Quietly sit back and watch the riot beat While the cops get filmed pirating all your privacy Sign on the dotted line and wave your rights And wave goodbye and pay no mind You gotta wash the brain and erase the time Now shut the fuck up while we wait in line Ten spaces.